Hello everybody and welcome. This is the Midnight McBride Show. And this week on the show, I've got a special guest and we're going to have a, a slight change to the format this week. So we're going to start off with a video clip and then you'll all know who my guest is. And we'll start with this clip. Right now, the, the level of crisis that we're in is personal lifestyle choices aren't enough to make the difference that we need to see. We need system, systematic legislative like uh, change from the highest levels down. And only this can bring about the change that we need fast enough. So this is why I am hopefully in a few hours going to climb up the side of Big Ben to, to put an Extinction Rebellion banner on the side of it. Um, because we're a social ape and uh, attention is a currency and we need to get the attention of the public and the government on these most serious of topics because currently we humans are the sixth mass extinction event of the planet. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think you might have guessed who my guest is now. And welcome onto the show, Ben. Thanks for having me, Patrick. You're welcome. And it's midnight. <laughs> <laughs> it takes everybody a few goes to get that. So we've called this show Big Ben. Obviously, uh, I thought there was a bit of a pun in there, but Ben Atkinson, <laughs> you recently climbed Big Ben. Big hands. Yeah. And... <laughs> It was to do with, you were doing it for a very good reason, mm -hmm. and it was to do with Extinction Rebellion. Have I said that correctly? You have. Thank you. Good. Or no, known amongst ourselves as XR. It might be easier. XR. We'll go with XR. This show, we've got a lot to talk about. There's lots of content. I know that you arrived here today, and over the last few days, you've sent me some information so that I can be prepped for the show, so I have an idea of uh, what you're all about. Mm -hmm. I had an idea, but not fully. I have never had as much content. <laughs> Literally, I've never had as much content. Um, so this is going to be good. This is going to be interesting. Also, um, you turned up today with nothing on your feet. I did. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of The Hobbit, where they all walk around with uh, nothing on the feet, don't they, you know? That's and pretty purple. much what it's like. Yeah, yeah. So I understand now why you climb Big Ben and how that came about, because you climb anyway, which is one of the many topics we're going to cover today. And I also want to talk about your life, because your journey into this present moment is very interesting also, and there's aspects of that that I didn't find out until this morning as well. But we're going to start... At the beginning. So first of all, before we go into your life journey, we'll talk about Extinction Rebellion. Now, what is it? <sighs> Extinction Rebellion is a kind of community grassroots organization mm -hmm. that is 
got three aims um, to get the government to tell the truth about the climate crisis that we're in, to declare a, a climate emergency, and to set up a citizens' assembly to take the response to climate change out of the deadlock of party politics. And mm. we are... Uh, By whatever means necessary. Not whatever means. We, we are a avowed, non-violent um, political organisation. Let me rephrase that then. By certain means that might, might be controversial. Yes. Um, the, the climate crisis isn't new. Uh, our awareness of the climate crisis isn't new. No. I learnt about uh, man-made climate change about when I was eight years old in the Osborne Book of Science. I, I read about it. Right. Since then, I've studied it at every stage of my career, or academic career, all, all the way up through university. And the anyway, the, the politics of climate change have been very frustrating to observe. Like yeah. It's such a long-term, slow-motion car crash that we're in as a, as a species on a planet that are... That, that we're too distracted by, by things that are like closer. Uh, consequences like a year down the line are hard to work towards, let alone yeah. 10 years. 10 yeah. years in politics is like a, an age, yeah. let alone consequences that are half a century, a century away. It, it's hard for us to cognitively digest that and to, to emotionally take it as serious. Mm. I talk about that kind of time span where governments might have you know, the official secret acts or I think it was in Dunblane where they wanted to suppress certain facts and keep things down to protect the families and things. But the official secrets acts is generally, I can't remember, I think they've actually got, they can extend it now, but it was 50 years. I think they could do 75 years. It's to take certain aspects and things out of your lifespan. And it's hard for us to grasp that kind of time period because I always say that if you look back 50 years ago and look what we were doing then, it seems insane you know let's go back a bit further a couple of hundred years ago and they had slavery and you think if that happened now i would never be part of that but we look back and that's easy but then every 50 years that passes whether it's apartheid slavery go back further burning witches at the time we don't see it we only ever see it afterwards with hindsight mm -hmm. so what are we doing now is a question I asked a lot when I was doing meditation workshops. What are we doing now that in 50 years people will look back and go, I would never have gone along with that if I was alive then or I was around then. You know, so as human beings trying to grasp that time scale, trying to grasp time that's either decades or even beyond our own lifetime is very difficult, you know. It is. Yeah. Um, to answer the question, in 50 years' time, what are we going to be doing? Yeah, It's it, like... For, for me it's uh, meat eating animals now is the, the main thing that, that's a big one I mean I'm I'm not vegan um, yeah. I have vegan sympathies um, yeah. I am the same <laughs> I was I was vegetarian then I was vegan and I now have meat occasionally not often and I although it goes against my beliefs um, so I struggle with it a bit yeah you know. well, I, I, I scrape up deer um, off, off the roads in, in the Lake District Road where kill. I'm from yeah roadkill yeah. and I will happily buy meat with a yellow sticker on it that's going to get chucked out and, mm. and waste. I hate waste. Mm. Um, I understand. <laughs> so it, 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 it's great. I, I think we're, we're omnivores and uh, mm. opportunists and 
uh, nutritionally, my, my core, core kind of principle is resilience. Um, mm. People that I live with are, are always like thinking, oh, the best, best before dates coming up, best stick that on Ben's shelf because Ben, Ben will eat it. And it's, see, I'm exactly the I, same. Yeah. Willow, we'll have stuff in the fridge. And she'll say, are you going to eat this? And she, I said, well, what's the date on it? She said, well, it's, it's two days over now. I said, no, it's a week on that. Yeah, leave it alone. And she, it drives her crazy because I won't let her throw anything out. Smell it. Taste yeah. it. Like, uh, if it we, hasn't gone off, I'll eat it. We, we know it, yeah. yeah. It's like you look at dogs, they, 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 they eat crap yeah. off, <laughs> off the ground day in, day out, and mm. they just build up a resilience to it. So yeah. uh, but it, the immune system's like, if you don't use it, you, you don't have one. So yeah. I think controlled exposure is important. Yeah. Um, and, and with food as well, I think you'll find there's obviously a vested interest, interest by the people that are manufacturing it to have that period where it's edible for a short period of time so that some goes to waste that we buy more. It's almost like designed obsolescence into food. Planned obsolescence, yeah, yeah. I talk about that a lot as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a great program. Um, I manage the television I watch very carefully. I don't watch yeah. very much. But uh, there was a program called The Men Who Make Us Spend, uh, a BBC documentary. Uh-huh. It was a three-part thing. And uh, it it was all about planned obsolescence and the world of um, PR and marketing and what they sell us and things that are designed to break and not last very long, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. And you wouldn't believe the tricks they play, you know? Oh, oh yeah. Um, and I mean, my mum's from uh, the east coast of Canada, uh, a small island called Newfoundland. And it up until like the last decade or so, it mm. still. Did it, do you mean Newfoundland, or is it just the way? Is that just the way you say it? N- Newfoundland. N- N- Newfoundland. Oh, um, Newfoundland. Like understand is the way right, you say it. Right. My mum gets very particular about this. <laughs> um, but there was a, a kind of, there's much more of a pioneering kind of spirit out there because, like you saw the weather they've had recently, uh, mm. it, it made the kind of, the the news. They they were having snow up past the first floor, and people are opening their doors and they're not getting out um, yeah, yeah so they 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 have climate emergencies like all, all the time anyway it's it, it's a hard place to live very beautiful yeah um so i it is very beautiful she, yeah. she, she's kind of got that hoarder mentality going on where even though now she's living in england she's got like freezers full of food like if yeah. if, if, if there's going to be a zombie apocalypse you, know, <laughs> you want to be at my mum's house <laughs> There you go. So I'm going to pull us back to Extinction Rebellion. And so recently, one of the events that you did, a stage, was you climbed Big Ben. And you did it dressed, am I correct, as Boris Johnson? That's right, yeah. Yes, with a, a wig on and so on. There was there was like a dual purpose to that. Yeah. Um, one was I didn't want to get shot. Um, and I'd, I'd done a bit of research and I, I'd, I'd looked at the Fathers for Justice people and read an mm. account of the armed um, police um, and uh, that were at Buckingham Palace. Um, and they sort of said they, they had this, this moment where they're trained to stop intruders. Yeah. And it's like, do we shoot this guy? And it's like, we're not going to shoot him because it's Batman. And it's like, Oh, I thought I can I can learn off that. It's like <laughs> so make myself look ridiculous because they don't take you as a serious threat. Then, as in as in risking lives, you might be making a political statement, but you're yes. not going to kill anybody. You're not a terrorist, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm I'm even cautious about causing distress. I don't want to cause distress to anyone. Yeah. And Extinction Rebellion 
is being provocative. It's deliberately being yeah. provocative because the normal avenues of, of protest haven't been effective. So yeah. we're, we're, we're trying to be creative to meet the, the, the issues at hand. Is, is it okay to say that, you know, I know you don't want to cause distress and stuff, but you cause humour? Because I saw the clip, obviously, you're climbing up there as Boris Johnson, and although you have a very serious message, at the same time, it made me smile. Well, yeah, it, it, it was like a fluorescent green jumpsuit just to draw attention to myself. Like, I was, I was also clowning around. The, the archetype of the fool is very dear to my heart, where the, the fool um, punctures the ego of, of power and, and authority. Um, and... Boris Johnson right now is holding that position of the king, yeah. the sovereign. Uh, even though he's just prime minister, it's the he, he's holding the the archetype of the of, of the king, and so I was playing the fool, and and that's why I made a lot of my my dialogue directed kind of to him in person. Yeah, I, it got a lot of media attention because the clip was showed at the beginning you were interviewed by sky news you're on nearly every major news channel mm-hmm. in all the papers and so it even was it got on fox news now i have a little like conceit uh, that i hope donald trump was watching fox news that night mm-hmm. and uh, he'll he, know he, well he'll know he, he i hope he was sat there thinking that's not a Boris Johnson wig. That's a Donald Trump wig. <laughs> oh, he's stolen my limelight. <laughs> but so, would you judge that as being a successful? Yes, I, I would say so. If that's okay, your, your to, goal, yeah. to speak frankly about Extinction Rebellion, it's a very young organisation, and it's a it's a non centralised organisation. Anybody that adheres to their their tenets of non violence and the 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 directives that I mentioned earlier, um, people can self-organize and that, that, that allows a very creative, um, fluid organization. Um, yeah. But at the same time, we're, we're still learning and we make mistakes along the way. Um, now, in my judgment, the, the Canning Town action where people climbed on top of the trains there, that symbolically was wrong um, because public transport is part of the solution. And mm-hmm. we don't want to be just going out to grab uh, media column inches, which no. we, we are deliberately gaining, uh, trying to get attention to this subject. But we wouldn't go around smashing solar panels just to get attention. It, it's symbolically that would be wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you live it. You're the first guest I've had here that came in an electric car. You know, you, you live it, don't you? I'm trying to. Yeah. It's like I'm not perfect. Um, no. I'm, I'm still struggling with all, all sorts of issues like yeah. this. My, my, my grandma lives in Canada and I she's 97 um, and I had to make the decision, do I fly out to Canada with my son so he can meet his grandma um, before she dies? Yeah. It was a really morbid yeah. thought and uh, I took him out there and it's like, fortunately, she's in good health and she's in great spirits. Yeah. So uh, it's like I kind of relaxed a bit. She could be around for another 10 years. Uh, mm. Great Uncle Bill mm. only died at 105 just a, a few months ago right, so you've got some good genes there then, hardy stock yeah 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 but uh so it, it lifestyle choices are difficult in this increasing awareness around the climate issues because it's mm. it feels like we're not allowed to exist 
because mm. like our very presence on this planet as a as a species is the problem there's so many of us mm. and our, our lifestyles are consuming so many resources yeah i say that we we're the only sentient beings on this planet that go around and kill it everything we come into contact with on mass yeah. we kill other animals we kill each other we're killing the planet we 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 are by definition if you were a scientist you'd, you'd say that we were um a virus or, you know, so, something... A parasite, yeah. yeah you know. That great scene from The Matrix where yeah. Agent Smith is berating Neo yeah. for, for for that. And it's but that's, I think that comes from moving unconsciously as a species. And I think when we start to make good choices and move consciously, which is what mm-hmm. you're doing, um, it doesn't have to be that way. Let's just say we are a, a real clever fucking monkey. Um, and we... There's there's no determined end game where we're not going to create our own extinction. Mm. We we might do it. It it's a very definite possibility. I hope we don't. I mean, mm. if you if you look at the Fermi paradox and the different barriers to development of a species, kind of into a sort of interstellar organism that that communicates with other 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 organize, or organisms or life forms out there which there's no guarantee that there are. We could be completely unique in the universe. We might not be. But um, one of those is, can we coexist on the planet um, w- without killing ourselves? Yeah. We're also the only sentient beings on this planet that aren't fully present and in the moment. All animals, all everything else is following natural law. It's, it's natural. And we mm-hmm. overthink everything, create stress and tension and resistance, and we're all suffering as a species, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't get too many horses and or lions in the wild and things with mental health issues. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the only animals that I've ever come across that experience mental health problems are either living with or have been very close contact with human beings. Well, I mean, humans are a fascinating like uh, species. Like we, mm. we, we, we self-domesticated ourselves before we ever domesticated like the the species around us but we um i mean cognitively um like we we can only ever exist in the moment but like you and i both know that we can get caught into memory which is like our our avenue to the past yeah but uh the way that we exist in the future is through forecasting and we kind if if you split that forecasting into hope and fear like what we hope for the future and what we fear of the yeah. future, and and this forecasting is 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 part of the way we navigate life. Um, I, I says, as human beings, most of us think of a future event. We have an anticipated or uh, desired outcome. We'll think of a hundred things that things that can go wrong, and even in worst case scenario, only one of them can come true. Um, and quite often, you know, things will go well. Yeah, but, yeah. So all that energy, all that suffering, all that negative, those thought patterns that we've been conditioned with as, you know, as children growing up. And, mm-hmm. and quite often it can be debilitating. And as human beings, it'll prevent all course of, courses of action. We won't do anything because we're living in fear. Well, th- this is part of the problem with the, the climate crisis um, and the, the, the sixth math, mass extinction event that we're in the middle of creating is that it's so far off that uh, like in, insofar as it's 50 years away uh, it, what, before it really kicks in. I mean, it's mm. happening now. People are losing their lives due to climate events now. But uh, it, it doesn't seem immediately pressing. It's like 
do you have a mortgage? Uh, do, do, do you have payments on I, car to meet? No. Do you, do you yeah. have a, a, a partner who, who has an emotional presence in your life? These are going to be a lot more concerning to you than, oh my God, are my kids going to ha have like surpluses of food? Yeah. Like, Be because there's that much noise in front of us, that much to think about, that many daily struggles, mm -hmm. we struggle to look forward and um, make decisions based on our direction of species because we're so sucked into this you know this material world that surrounds us at the mm. minute you know yeah. well you mentioned before attention Where, mm. where's our attention at and it's like uh is it on our like social media streams is it mm. is it um in in the people in our community are we are we thinking about what we're eating next week are, are we going to a, mm. a food bank we, have we got bank loans it's like trying to get that that that, that the attention uh, on this huge like uh, cliff edge that we seem to be driving towards is difficult. I, I say that you have to be very careful what you put in here because whatever we focus on, we feed and move towards it. Yeah. Whatever we focus on, we feed and move towards it. And if you drive a car down the motorway and you look at your wind and you look over there, you will drift towards <clears> it. <throat> this, this steers us. So whatever you put your attention on, you're, you're going to approach it and you're going to give it your energy and feed it. So it's really important that we put the right things in here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always hated horror films for that very reason. <laughs> it's like, I, I, don't, I don't want it in my head. No, no, no. <laughs> so, Ben, what we haven't done now, we've talked a bit about Extinction Rebellion, which we could talk about probably for mm -hmm. three or four hours because of, uh, you know, the, the theories and the ideologies behind it and everything. It's mm -hmm. fascinating. But we'll talk a bit about your journey. So, Ben, uh, where are you from initially? Oh. Where were you born? I was born in Kings Lynn, uh, Norfolk. Um, moved about uh, a bit. Uh, my dad's work, like in the like, corporate world, like uh, necessitated moving to follow his his, his promotions and movement. Yeah. His his being headhunted by different organisations. So, kind of dotted around the south a few times, and then like settled uh, up in Nottingham. Uh, about the, right. the age of 13. I know that we talked about, let me get this right, evangelical um, parts of your childhood where you were brought up. Uh, okay, Christ so and the church was heavily involved in your upbringing. I, I wasn't brought up a Christian. Um, I, I kind of, in in Cookfield, in, down in Sussex, it was a small village, and my parents are nominally Christian and they took us to the local church right. and I, I got Christian messages through children's church and things like this. But like most people, they're just there in the background, not that dissimilar to the Christmas story or the Easter bunny. But when I moved, um, yeah. moved up to Nottingham, it was from a, a comprehensive school to quite an imposing all boys private school. And it was right. like, Ooh, okay. And it was a very more kind of much more intense atmosphere. Kind of this, yeah. Well, all the women have gone. <laughs> all the women have gone. This hierarchy of boys already in yeah. established groups, yeah. and uh, it was it was intimidating. I mean, yeah. there was it was a hard move. I think for everyone in the family, my my mum lost her, her her connections to her community. My dad was trying to make a, a new job work. Um, he, he was working for Speedo at the time in in Nottingham, and uh, I was lonely. And yeah. uh, my family was 
fairly emotionally austere. Uh, they, they're kind of from boarding school backgrounds. Um, so I I encountered when I bumped into the uh, the kind of the Christian Union at school a bunch of really huggy, friendly people, and there was girls too. Like it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was it was joint. Now we understand. <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was joint with the the girls' school next door. Yeah. So it's like there was lots of pluses. As well as it tying into this, like this, this background history that I'd been, kind of given in children's church, and it was like, all oh, right, this has got meaning. This is yeah. like, wow, okay. And uh, so I fell hook, line, and sinker in, into it for emotional reasons. For about like, it was about a five year kind of journey into, like uh, Alice goes down the looking glass, and yeah. eventually it was it was my sort of love of of science and philosophy and 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 so I truth that led me out of it because it's it's hard to hold on to a creationist view of the world being seven thousand years old when you've also you got a passion for biology evolution geology and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fitting these different like modalities together and it it eventually it broke down and it yeah it's it's going to i think yeah, yeah. yeah and so that there's be that kind of set up a, a lifelong pursuit of truth which sounds very grandiose but it's just like i like to know what's going on like mm. we, we're as a, as a species, we love to control uh, and manipulate our environment around us, and it's like uh, that gives us emotional security. So I, I was just trying to find my place in the world and, and sort of work out what was right. At one point, I thought the Bible was the spoken word of God, and that if I didn't maximize my converts, I wasn't going to get to heaven. Yeah. But that 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 fell apart, and yeah. and, and slowly kind of. As, as I investigated science, psychology, philosophy, and like looked into the world religions, and it was like, right, okay, um, there there seems to be this this thing that would like we we look we look more like a, a monkey than a mouse. It's like okay, so suddenly anthropology becomes really interesting. It's like yeah. where what what are we like? Who am I that's thinking these things, and what's it what's good for me to do? Mm. Um, and so the, the, these are kind of questions that have engaged people down through the centuries. Yeah. As you're going along your journey, you mentioned you've, you've been in the military as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, tell us maybe a little oh. bit about that. Okay, so wh when I lost my faith around the age of 19, um, I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I wanted to be a lay preacher up to that point, And then suddenly the only kind of purpose in my life had evaporated. Before It's like, what what's right to do? What should I do with my life? It looks yeah. like I've only got one life. It's like uh, as soon as this arrangements Spare of molecules and, and it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like like dissolves. It's like I hope there's an afterlife, but I don't know there's an afterlife. It's like uh, what should I do? And I kind of thought I, I want to try and understand as much of this as I can. So I just went around collecting diverse experiences, and I kind of thought shits and giggles let's join the military that's going to be exciting isn't it um, i've heard some motivations for joining before but never that one well, I'm also i like that though it's going through life just wanting to experience diverse situations and, well, yeah, and experiences you know yeah. experiencing life feeling the dead poet society carpe yeah. diem suck the marrow out of life and it's like mm. uh, i don't i don't want to go along and just take other people's narratives i mean mm. one of the ways that our brains question work, everything yeah. question everything and yeah. um but it's like that our brains work around stories around narratives and it's like uh, there, there's all these different narratives out there how do we know which one's right like which mm. what what is truth and it's like uh, 
I just see science as a story. Uh, it's a beautiful, multi-generational, very rational story um, that people have been adding to for, for centuries. Uh, but it's just a story. It's always being refined and, and, and sort of brought down. It, it, it's, there's no absolute truth in science, but it's all the waves are breaking in the same direction on the shores of truth. And it's like, a, it's, so it, it, it excites me, but it's like science isn't the only ar narrative out there. No. Um, so it's trying to like bring all these narratives together has been and integrate them into a, a, a simpler expression that I can find is kind of that's been at one point I thought oh, I'm going to be a writer but it's like I haven't got the patience and discipline to sit down yeah. and write it's, it's tough like, <laughs> yeah isn't it um so uh, I'm just kind of working on being a gobshite right now <laughs> okay okay <laughs> so there's a reason with Extinction Rebellion uh -huh. you climbed because you do a lot of climbing and that's why you probably arrived here barefoot today as well. You don't generally wear footwear unless it's, you know, it's necessary. So we'd maybe talk about then, and mm -hmm. let me get this right. It's the Happy Ape, is that right? Oh, happy, happy, ha happy Naked, naked Ape. ape. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that encompasses a whole array of other topics that we're going to talk about. But maybe start with that, the Happy Naked Ape. Right, yeah. okay. So Desmond Morris had a, a seminal book out. Yep. Um, Naked ape. That's right. Um, yeah. We are the naked ape. Like if you look at us, we're we're a primate. Um, that's our closest living kind of relatives, the bonobo, uh, the pygmy chimp of the Congo, and we've got various kind of adaptions from there. We're kind of walking upright more, most of the time. Um, mm -hmm. Our feet don't kind of prehensile grip like they used to uh, when we were an arboreal ape. Um, it, we've lost our hair. We've got noses. We kind of like we mate, like uh, generally facing each other rather than doing it doggy doggy. Uh, hey, like a bit of that too. But um, yeah, mo most terrestrial land mammals don't. They they all do it doggy doggy. It was like, why? Why are these Never differences? It's like well, uh, David Attenborough's got a great radio documentary uh, called The Waterside Ape. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check check it out. Uh, it kind of comes from the aquatic ape hypothesis, which for a long time was considered pseudoscience, but now it's at, we're at a, a place in like it's quite exciting in a way. It's a very slow, exciting in the scientific world, but there's a paradigm shift from the savanna model that's uh, and, and we're, we're slowly moving over to the uh, the aquatic ape hypothesis, where we're descended from the apes that came down from the trees and started to. Um, access the aquatic proteins along the like the shores of the lakes and the seas, the the mussels, the catfish, the different things like this. And at first, there was no evidence for this, so it was unver yeah. unverifiable. But now the evidence is slowly be coming out, and uh, you can see the uh, the marks on the bones of catfish where our ancestors were. Um, we're, kind of, we're making those filleting marks mm. exactly the same as modern day like uh, fishmongers do. Um, They've they've got the middens of uh, mollusks that kind of we're, we're feeding on, and all all of this helped this this rich abundance of food helped the kind of the, the the brain develop. Uh, it gave us lots of time on our hands because there's so much aquatic protein readily available. As soon as you work out, it's there. That these clever monkeys had lots of spare time on their hands, yeah. and and they they kind of, 
Darwin's theory of evolution, people often think survival of the fittest, but as soon as you've got rid of survival, because there, there's lots of food, it's not survival that makes the difference. It's like who gets to mate? And and this is kind of uh, yeah. the best theory of, of brain development that we've come across is that it, it's a product of sexual selection and that we kind of set up an organic breeding program just just by our behavior and our nature as, as like these hypersexual bonobo common ancestor that then led to us um, a, 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 as a species, hominids, kind of like uh, having this huge increase in brain size because women like intelligent, witty men. And it's like, so it created this like, like this selection, selective breeding program and, and out of nowhere, suddenly this emergent species with huge cognitive abilities arose from nowhere and it's taken over the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's the frontal lobe, isn't it? The frontal cortex, I think, that if you go through history, it sort of just appeared overnight. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden we became hyper-intelligent uh, compared to, you know, the the next the step before. There's a, there's a great book called Sapiens. You might have read it or not, but like uh, he des describes us, the author uh, describes us as a, a very middle-class omnivorous kind of primate. Uh, mm. from Central Africa. And how did we go from this middle-class om mm. om omnivorous ape to masters of the world? See, stages in evolution, usually when they're mapped, it can take hundreds of thousands of years, if, if sometimes, you know, millions of years, but uh, hundreds of thousands of years, certainly, for, mm. for us, you know, once we started walking upright. And what they've found is that this frontal lobe, the frontal cortex had appeared, which is what gave us our ability to... Uh, think the way we do now mm -hmm. um, and language and lots of other things when this appeared they, they can't understand how it appeared overnight there's no gradual process it just appeared look up the mating mind by mm. uh, Jeffrey Miller I think it is it talks about this um, the idea of sexual selection being the, 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 the very process that caused consciousness to emerge at this level so quickly I mean, if, you, yeah. if you look at what we've done to the dogs within a space of a, a, a few thousand years we can break even even less than that over a handful of generations by selective breeding we can create such myriad kind of gen genomic expressions as the pug yeah <laughs> vile breeding kind of creations that these are that they're, they're absolutely dis disabled in their inherent form they can't breathe properly their yeah, eyes are yeah, bulging out yeah. their legs don't work or you've got the collie this super intelligent breed of dog it's yeah. like you can see that this that the speed at which evolution works through selective breeding yeah. is a very viable process and yeah. i don't know anything else that matches it no. um so we met today yeah uh, but we've been in touch and we were introduced via Catherine, who's a good friend of mine. Willow's been on the show. And I think we're allowed to say now that you're, you're engaged. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, uh, very, very lucky man. She, uh, on the 29th of February, um, she tricked me into a tree and uh, up the tree she proposed to me. Um, right, so she proposed to you. Yeah, yeah. so it's 29th yeah. of February, isn't it? Yeah, uh, oh, of course, year. of course, yes. Um, yeah. And so I've, I've been married before. Uh, I've, I've got a family and it was painful. I, I was left for another man and that put kind of forced me into a therapeutic journey. Um, 
Yeah. And uh, it's, so when she proposed, it was like a, there was a huge scab coming up. I hadn't realized how much uh, sort of emotional scarring that, that was yeah. that was there, but yeah. it, it, it's beautiful. But it, yeah. It's scary at first, isn't it? And then, but you've got to open up. If you, if you want to love, you've got to, You've got to let somebody in, and that's terrifying. Well, it certainly is, was for me. She got right through my emotional armor, but it, mm. it's a—it's it, hard. There's a tension between freedom and security, and uh, mm. I understand us to kind of be sort of sexual omnivores. We've got that history of the being very promiscuous, like bonobos in our in our recent past, mm. and yet we're kind of not allowed that free sexual expression in today's culture and no. in our lives. And like, sex has become a commodity that's traded is in a way sex sells doesn't it yeah that's what it does but it's been forced into our unconscious like uh cells which is then it's very hard to like to to be a man with a a, a sense and a woman where women are slut shamed and 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 men are it's it's like we 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 have these appetites but we're not allowed it's not okay to meet them and it's like Mm. so how, how can i meet my the kind of, my form honestly and sort of say it actually I have a sexual appetite and and yet I'm in a committing relationship and it's not allowed I'm in a in this box um mm. and yet so lots of people kind of work that out by being deceptive and it's but at the same time I hate I hate that, deception that's it's a like terrible that, way that's forward, against, against yeah. my 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 desire I, for truth so know, it's it, like if I lie to somebody um which which I've done in the past when I was yeah. younger you know and when I was younger, a lot younger, I've been unfaithful. Um, I feel sick after uh, the guilt, just uh, the feeling. I could feel it in my stomach, and I can't live like that. You know what I mean? I have to. I have to be able to be honest. Anything else doesn't work for me because you know the feelings of anxiety and and yeah, life's so much better. Sometimes it requires brutal honesty, and that can seem as being hard or cold but it's actually the most loving thing you can do sometimes is to tell somebody the bloody truth well yeah i'm really interested in those hard conversations it's, mm. it's like because i i don't want to go through life lying but at the same time lying to yourself it's like yeah. i'd be lying to myself if i said i didn't have a sexual appetite beyond monogamy mm. um so it's like it it, it creates a very interesting territory to then sort of have that honesty with yourself and then with your partner Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, mm-hmm. where do you go? And and like, there's um, there's all sorts of different ways that people can e- express this. Sometimes it's by avoiding the situation. But then you look at Catholic priests. Like, what happens when you completely kind of reject your sexuality? It comes out sideways in horrific manners. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. um, it's yeah, it's like have the brave conversations. Um, yeah. I always said in the past that I'd rather somebody be brutally honest with me. And I might not like what they say, than to not know the truth, being living ignorance and bliss, but having no idea what's happening. Yeah, you know, I'd rather mm-hmm. know. I'd mm-hmm. rather know. So when Catherine introduced me, or sorry, told me about you, which is quite a while ago now. It's when Catherine first came on the radio, I think. Um, she mentioned you because because she thought you were an interesting guy, maybe that you should um, come on the show. Mm-hmm. And she introduced you, or said, "You need to speak to this guy." Uh, and he's called, she called you the tree guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. And I think that's because you spend a lot of time up trees and you've, you've done a video about this, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's called my own hands. Um, yeah. 
it kind of the allusion to being in the reliance of my own hands because it's all solo. There's no no ropes. As a tree surgeon, I use ropes in a tree, but um, so, so a, that's you actually work as a tree surgeon as well. Now, I do. You? I do yeah. work as a tree oh, surgeon, but yeah. that that kind of came after the fact. That's just because my my wife like had a bad back and 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 couldn't cope with me being a, a crisis care worker away on expeditions and things like this. So I, I changed work and became a tree surgeon, worked locally, yeah. just capitalizing on this this skill that I had of climbing trees because well, it all, I'd seen you, I'd seen the well, video yeah. and I was thinking, he's going to fall, he's going <laughs> to fall, but you, but you don't, you almost, the balance you have as you walk along a branch that's that's moving yeah. underneath you as well. It's it, I can only um, compare it to say Cirque du Soleil or something where you, where you actually... You know, you yeah, seem to it, be very comfortable up there. It's like the the slackliners; they do amazing yeah, things yes, up there. And yeah. it, how often do you see a squirrel fall, or mm. a, an owl like fall out the sky? Or it's like we are descended from our boreal apes. When when my hand grabs around the branch, I know that my hand and that branch co-evolved for millions of years, and that's a good feeling. And it's mm. like a, the the way I, mean, I was a kid, I climbed trees. Most kids do. But it, it was that move to Nottingham where there was this big like park behind uh, the, the house that I lived, uh, Woolerton Park, where they filmed uh, the Batman movie. It was Wayne mm. Manor. Um, yeah. But uh, there were these huge like, parkland trees and I, I was lonely. It, it was it was a hard few years kind of joining this big boys school and sort of not fitting in, sort of feeling like the, the br- brunt of jokes about being a soft southerner and... Everyone in Nottingham is such a hard northerner, even though they're from the Midlands. And it was like, it was a hard few years. My escape was walking the dog in the park and, and climbing these trees. And every yeah. time I, I went for a walk, I'd just push it a little bit further. I'd try and find that edge because as soon as you find that edge and you feel the fear, then everything else, like any any unhappiness, any loneliness, any disappears it, it, it for disappears because yeah, yeah. you're in that state of flow, the yeah. hyper focus. And it's, it's beautiful. See, I. I've experienced so many synchronicities mm-hmm. today <laughs> when we're talking because I write about climbing trees and I, I, I talked right, about it a okay. lot. And, what, and Well, I'll explain. And I wrote that I use this analogy a lot. As a child, mm-hmm. I always use this analogy where as a child, you think about climbing your tree and doubt hasn't been invented yet. You think about something and you do the corresponding action and you do it. Mm-hmm. And because you're not overthinking it, as we do as adults, you climb the tree. Mm-hmm. As adults, if we're going to climb a tree, you're thinking, I might fall. Uh, I could break my nails. What if somebody sees up my skirt? Or uh, what if I turn my clothes? Or all these thoughts will go through your head. You'll think mm-hmm. of a hundred things that can go wrong and you'll not climb the tree. Now, also, as a child, when you think like that, the mind of a child, because you're not anxious when you're climbing the tree, because you don't know that it's going to go wrong, mm-hmm. because you believe it's going to go right. So you're mm-hmm. not having all the negative thought, the doubt. And doubt, by the way, as with lying, is something we learn off adults as children. You know, your, your natural state is not to doubt, you know, okay. it's not, and it's not to lie. But the child will then climb the tree and probably be very successful at it because it's confident, because it's it's not... It's not very nervous and it's it's not frightened. Mm-hmm. So by the analogy of climbing the tree, I show that as adults basically we, we can we can be disabled. I say the prisons we all live in are created by the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, as adults we can our thought patterns can determine our lives and cripple us. Yeah. You know? uh, this is we mentioned the Happy Naked Ape uh, program yeah. before. It's um it, it's like a mentoring program and ho- ho- 
kind of one to one, um, but building up into courses and and things for kind of group workshops and things like this. Mm. But it's it's getting people to come out and climb trees with me, move yeah. barefoot, interact as a group, bit of play fighting in there. But all of these things to try and get them out of their modern urban mindset and rewild them. Kind of rewild uh, them. Yeah. yeah, I like that. If it get if you want to rewire yourself, rewild. Re- you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like I think the tagline I say is rewilding the domesticated urban ape. Yeah. Um, because does that what you're talking about now? Does that encompass the mankind project and the new warrior uh, training? Is tra- it? training? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the mankind project uh, n- answered my call. I, I, after my divorce, um, my ego was shattered. My expectations of life were on the floor, and I I was in pieces. And I was on a therapeutic journey. Um, I started acting out. I had issues around substance abuse, Mm -hmm. um, some less helpful, some more helpful. Um, Mm. uh, There's There's nobody who ever watched this show that doesn't know that I've taken lots of drugs. Well, yeah. (laughs) And that's part of my journey. It's out there. And some drugs take you away from yourself. Mm. Some drugs throw you right into the middle uh, of Mm. yourself. And so I... I gravitated towards the the psychedelic drugs, and that, mm-hmm. that was part of my my healing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but the the mankind project yeah. was was there, um, and it it answered the call. Uh, it's an organization run by men for men um, to help men find like an empowered purpose in their life. Um, right now, I I don't feel like life has any inherent purpose. It's it's an emergent phenomena and it continues it replicates but we've got to the point now where um like we, we we're, we're in this incredibly sophisticated biobot and and we uh we function better when we're in a tight-knit community with a defined purpose like this this that it makes us happy it yeah. makes us feel like wow okay we're going somewhere together mm-hmm. and this this organization kind of gets men together uh in in large groups takes them through some well-defined like emotional processes using Jungian psychology, exploring the relationship between our conscious and unconscious. And it was one of the most powerful like, uh, experiences in my life. Like the, the new warrior training program, there's, there's three or four every year in this country. And it, if, if you're having any sort of lack of motivation. If you if you don't quite know what's going on with your life, if you're struggling with your emotions, if you're struggling to keep it together, which is basically all of us. Yeah, it's yeah. like get on it because mm. it, it it exposed me to a, a, a really inspiring community of men. Um, and up to that point in my life, I'd I'd not really connected with my masculinity. I'd kind of felt like men are this kind. Of, evil like group of people that go around abusing women mm. and it's like uh i i'll put my hand up and say i'm i'm a feminist i'm i'm, I'm there with the me too movement i know like i don't know if I, any of my girlfriends ever have not been abused by men and uh, taken advantage of and that that was one of the things that like i felt is horrific and th- th- there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity right now and mm. it's like men have lots of abhorrent behaviors um, when we don't control those animal passions like that we've, we've got from that bonobo history um, where 
uh, no one likes to be caged and put in a box and, and we act out horrendously. But the, the Mankind Project was an answer to that toxic masculinity and it allowed me to meet men that inspired me and it kind of helped me feel like it's okay to be, I'm okay yeah. being a man. Um, and I found a way to express that masculinity in a healthy way that was powerful that where I could move away from victimhood, but without becoming like a, a controlling, aggressive monster. Um, yeah. So it's, they, they look at the four archetypes, the lover, the yeah. warrior, the magician, the king. Um, I'd say if, you, if you've got any, any doubts about where your life's going, get on that course. There's one, mm. there's one coming up. Um, right. uh, oh, we've just passed the April one. Uh, I think there's another one in, in June, July, but that, yeah, um, that organization made such a difference in my life.